Welcome to the Real Estate Explainer podcast, where we talk about anything and everything real estate. I'm your host, Brian Kixula. Take notes today, Eric Cliffle will be talking about wholesaling real estate. Hey, Eric, I just wanted to say thanks for jumping on the podcast with me today. And I am super excited to talk about wholesaling, um, specifically wholesaling real estate in Ohio. And uh, let's go to just jump in. So is is wholesaling legal in Ohio? It is. It a- absolutely is legal in Ohio. In fact, I know of several groups throughout Ohio that um, in different cities even, but um, it's definitely prevalent here. And then, uh, what's, what's your specific market? Where are you, uh, where are you based out of and where are you primarily finding deals? Yeah. So we're based out of Columbus, Ohio. We go to other counties as well. Licking County's huge here. It's been in the news everywhere that Intel's building a huge plant here. Google and, uh, Facebook have huge warehouses they're putting in in that area as well. So we've had a lot of luck in the surrounding counties outside of Columbus. Columbus is basically focused on as Franklin County, but when you go north and east, uh, we go into those counties as well, Delaware, Licking, Fairfield, Union, all over. And when you're looking at like, uh, let's say finding or locating properties to do wholesale transactions on, how are you locating or identifying sellers that may be interested in selling their property, you know, through someone who's, who's offering to pay cash for it instead of taking it just on the regular, on the MLS? You know, I think one thing that if people just take a look at wholesaling, what's certain in life is not everybody likes everybody. Some people don't yeah. like attorneys. Some people don't like cops. I do. I'm fine with that, right? So some people don't like realtors though. And that's where the wholesale niche really, really comes in. We focus finding our deals through where those people that we cold call and we call every day. We have acquisition team members that will go through and we'll call through probate. Some people don't want to deal with anything when someone has passed away. They don't want to deal with the stress. That's where we come in and we can be the easy button for them. We'll call a specific zip code list and we'll call through the whole list. And then we also really hit up mailers and mailers have been a, a really good ROI for us. All right. And then once you identify someone who's you know looking at selling their property, what's the real draw? I mean, imagine the draw is it's a quick transaction. You can buy the property for cash. You can yeah. close in seven days and they can, you know, they can move on. They're done with, you know, the transaction. It's not going to be a long, like come in and let's do showings at your house on the weekends. Exactly. And that's what it is. You know, I think that we offer the easy button and people don't want the stress of having to clean up their house or having people rummage through their house. You know, a lot of times I think, cause I come from the licensed realtor side as well. We have a retail team that my wife heads up. And I think that people just, they don't want to take the time to do what the realtor says they need to do to get top dollar. They don't want to paint these rooms, replace these cabinets, all that kind of stuff. They just want to be done. And so that's, I think that's the main draw. That and then some people just are adverse to paying commissions for people that uh, like realtors. And so in our, in the wholesale industry, there's no commissions and a majority of the time we're paying all their closing costs too. All right. So you're stepping in, you're offering them a fair price for the property and a way to close the the deal um, quickly. A lot of times I think, you know, as a seller, uh, there's a misconception that you're always taking literally the bottom dollar. You're selling your property at 50 cents on the dollar. And sure. I know that um, some wholesalers are at, out there, that's exactly what they're looking for, that lowest you know, price that they can get it. But the reality is that's not always the case. Sellers are getting a fair deal for their property. It's not always a steal. 
you know, the wholesalers typically aren't trying to take advantage. They're just offering another method and maybe they, they won't be getting top dollar. And would you speak to that? Are they getting top dollar? Are they not? You know, this is my assumption. So, yeah, no. And it's, it's just, um, I think you just look at it's, it's time over money. Right. And so it goes back to people not really wanting to do all the work to get top dollar. And so when you put in time and effort, it, you can get top dollar. And some people just want to be done and walk away from the situation. You know, we've had deals where people had fires in their houses. They take the insurance check and they just want to cash out of whatever they can from the house and move on. You have people that have headache tenants and they just want it to go away. Well, that's where we come in, but also it's a business. So you have to be profitable. You don't just go out there and as a, even if you're on the license side, you're not going to go list properties for free. You know, you got to make money to, to survive in this world. And that, so that's part of it though. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And one of the things and you know, why I wanted to have you on the podcast is because I do get your, you know, your emails with um, some of the properties that, that you're selling. Yeah. And uh, the cool thing that I get to do as a cost segregation professional is to talk to real estate professionals across the United States and look at the different markets they're in, whether it's, you know, apartments or strip malls or wholesaling properties in Ohio. And one of the things that uh, jumped out at me is in your emails, one of the things that you see is an assignment price. What is an assignment price? When you're wholesaling a deal, what's, what's the assignment price? Yeah. So when we look at uh, deals and we underwrite them, there's always multiple exits, right? We could take something down and do a land contract and owner finance it, things like that. But uh, with the assignment price, what that is, is, okay, at this price, at this assignment price, sell the property, the seller will get whatever we promise them. So if we promise the sellers 80K for their house and we market the property at 100, then we get the spread, the 20K spread. And so what we look at, though, is we run it through our formula and we want to understand if we get, let's say we get a 20K assignment price, do we like that more than a $40,000 net profit after we flip a property? Well, we're going to take the 20K assignment all day long because of time over money, right? It's not worth us going in and renovating the whole house. And it still leaves enough there for the flipper to go in and make their profit margin that they're looking for too. So is the assignment price the end price that, uh, let's say I'm the investor, I see one of your listings or one of the properties that you have under contract. Is that what I'm paying you to then take ownership of the property? Or is that exactly. just your fee for being involved in the transaction? Yeah. So the assignment price is what allows you to take control of the contract. We assign the contract to the end buyer at that price. And then the seller will get whatever we promise them on our purchase contract, which is assignable. And then we'll get the spread. We'll get the difference between the two numbers. So if you've got a property locked up for, let's say, $80,000, you're making a $20,000 spread on it. Would the assignment price be $100,000 on that deal? Exactly. Yep. yep. So you're, exactly. already, you're already baking that in when you're, you know, when you're presenting it to an investor. 100%. Okay. So that's, that's, uh, you know, that's good just because you understand what you're getting. Now, when you're assigning the contract, are you going through a, a normal um, like escrow transaction where I'm going in and I'm doing my title work? maybe ordering an appraisal on the property or is this hey it's an assignment deal you know you've got 7 days to close it you know that's what it is yeah so everybody's going to write their con contracts up different our inspection period is basically our time to find our end buyer if we decide to pass off the property and okay. decide not to take it into our inventory and be one of our properties that I'll have you cost seg or yeah. be a property that we go ahead and flip i'd like to thank today's sponsor US Tax Advisors Group 
a cost segregation company. To get a free estimate on a cost segregation study, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the cost segregation link at the top of the page. So typically all our properties, there's no inspections. They're as is. Uh, We've assigned properties and closed on them with people not even walking through them. Because what we do is we go through, we make sure we take great photos. Sometimes we do videos. Sometimes we do set up walkthroughs. A lot of times though, um, once we get the assignment, it's a separate document. So we have our purchase agreement that's assignable. Then we have an assignment. I'll send the assignment out to the investor. The investor will sign off on it. They'll make a uh, EMD. They'll make a escrow deposit with the title company. And then at time of close, they'll get their, their escrow money back um, once they fund the property. Got it. So they're just getting an earnest money deposit. They're taking over that deal. And then they're going to go through and close it within, let's say, yep. you know, again, probably pretty quickly, seven to 10 days. So yep. you'd want to have your financing lined up ahead of time if you're going to finance a deal or you'd want to make sure that you've got cash on hand to close a transaction and then refinance it afterwards. Right. So we'll, we go through three different types of closings. So we'll have cash transactions. We'll have hard money loans. Typically hard money is got a lot less loopholes uh, and they'll bake in whatever they need to do to renovate the uh, property on the end buyer side. And then you can also do what's double, a double close. A double close is where you use transactional lending. So let's go back to our $80,000 property. And uh, I assign it at $100,000. And then I go, Hey, Brian, I have a conventional buyer that wants to buy this property at 100000 Okay. Well, then at that point, I'll ask you, Hey, would you mind transactional lending on this property? And you'll say, Sure. And you get 2%. So you'll get a 2% return on your money. And so the end buyer will go through conventional financing. And so let's say today is the closing. You would fund and close that original $80,000 property. We would go ahead and close it to the conventional buyer at the 100K. You would make 2% on your funding money, and then we would get the spread back in return. So essentially, I'd be acting as a, the bank in that scenario. So yep. I wouldn't be holding the property long term. Just strictly, I'd be the bank. There's another buyer lined up. So that's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, you know, this is creative financing. Creative financing went away years ago, and then it's kind of come back in a big way as yeah. the, you know, markets tightened up. So then, you know, the next piece that uh, is in your emails, it definitely uh, comes back. And this is the, the hook, if you will, is what is ARV? You're always going to say, here's the assignment price, and then here's the ARV. So for folks that are maybe new to the wholesaling world, what is ARV and why is that so important? Yeah. So the ARV is the after repair value. And so we know when we're looking at properties, what flippers are typically willing to take properties down at, at a certain percentage of return. So for example, in central Ohio, Columbus specifically, if there's a flipper that's our end buyer and he can get a 15% return, he's much more likely to take that deal down. And so that's why we have to know the after repair value with the spread that we want to put on our assignment, will that 15% return still be there for the end, end buyer? So you're really structuring the deal for your prospective sellers. You're finding a price for them that is is good. It's the walkaway money. They're getting whatever they need to get out of the property because they're they're done with it. And then you're analyzing the transaction to make sure that it's a sellable deal on the, the regular market. And if it needs to have the rehab, you're looking at Hey, they're gonna have to put in a new kitchen. That's gonna cost seven thousand dollars. They're gonna have to do some, you know, just little, you know, touch up painting, etc. That's another three thousand dollars. So they know that on that same deal, it's a hundred thousand dollars to buy it. 
but you're going to put, let's say, ten or $15,000 into it, then the ARV would, let's say, be $130,000. So all of a right. sudden, there's enough money, you know, call it a, a $15,000 spread for that investor to then go and turn it and sell it as part of a flipping business yep. or to pull yeah. it into their portfolio and rent it out. Yeah. So, I mean, they... They could do the Burr method, you know, where they buy, renovate, uh, refinance, and then go redeploy again. And or they, uh, their main job is that they flip houses. And do you offer because you said that you're also in, you know, the traditional real estate side of it? Do you offer property management for your investors that are looking at holding these properties? No, we do not. Just with All the right. legality of of property management in Ohio, having separate accounts fair housing laws and all that kind of stuff. We've, we've steered, steered away from that. No, it makes sense. You know, stick with your core, uh, your core business. And, um, yeah. I, th- I think that's absolutely critical. So then, you know, another question that comes up or a lot of people ask regarding wholesaling is wholesaling worth it? You know, is it just a big pain or is, is it actually worth it? Is it for, for not just you as a wholesaler, but for everybody involved, does it, is yeah. it worthwhile? Absolutely. And it's crazy because I've been licensed for 20 years as a licensed realtor. And then we started this wholesale company two and a half years ago. And it's changed our trajectory. It's changed um, people that renovate houses for a living. And it goes back to what I said at the beginning of the podcast where, you know, not everybody likes everybody. Some people just want to sell something on their own, not have a realtor, not have commissions involved. And it's been just fabulous to see how our business has grown over the last uh, two years. And then when you're looking at um, selling the property that you're wholesaling, how are you finding buyers for these deals? I imagine you're not putting these properties on the MLS because if, if I'm understanding it correctly, correctly, you're not you're not taking title of the property. You're strictly right. creating a contract on the property and then assigning the contract or selling that contract. So how do you find buyers? Oh, that's great. And you know, that's really where I think people fail in wholesaling a lot. I think there's, there's a book out there. I think it's called a uh, reverse wholesaling. It's not written really well, but it gets the, the main gist of it is, is if you don't have buyers, you can't wholesale. And that's the issue is like a lot of people go get something in contract and they don't have an end buyer and they don't know what, where to go with it. So we have, uh, several, several places we go find our buyers. Like we have a VA that goes scrub. Uh, so on Facebook, there's a ton of off market communities. You know, there's locally, there's several here in Columbus. I've even looked at one in Florida. Uh, there's hundreds in Florida. I, I was helping one of my clients try to wholesale something in Florida, actually. So I have my VA go scrub all these uh, websites because whenever um, someone posts a property on the off-market sites in your area, a lot of times they drop emails. So, I mean, they'll spend hours just scrubbing that. Then you also have in your local market, thousands and thousands of realtors. Well, they're out there looking for properties for their people all the time too. So a lot of times we'll work with realtors as well and help them get deals close. All right. So it's really, uh, you know, it is looking for the buyers because like you said, if you have a property, you've got a good contract, but you have no place to take it, then you're not going to sell it. Your time period on the contract's going to expire and you just did a lot of work for basically nothing. So it's making sure that you have got a great way to advertise the properties that you have come into your pipeline so you can turn them around. I think a key thing, especially when you're talking about longevity or staying in the business for a long time, whether it's wholesaling um, just residential properties 
or if you're structuring commercial deals, it's going to be making sure that you're analyzing that deal up front so that it's a win-win for everybody that's involved so that you can really turn the deal. I've seen, uh, I've had wholesale deals uh, come to me. I've looked at them and the pro forma is just in pencil. I mean, it, it looked sure. great, but you know, when you really look at the property and you look at the rents or what it's really going to cost to repair the property, it just didn't make sense. It wasn't that great of a, a deal that they got into. And I think that that's why it's so key that, you know, it is so key to work with someone who's in the market that's active in the wholesaling space so that when you find a deal or when they bring one to you, you know, it's something that if you do close on and, and you know, purchase that you can fix it and flip it, or you can bring it into your portfolio and rent it and have a good rental property. Absolutely. And like my lead acquisition manager, Connor, I think he said it best where he's like, you know what I love about wholesaling? He's like, we're literally the bottom of the barrel. And if you say that to most people, they might be like offended that you're at the bottom of the barrel. But the reality yeah. of it is, is we get to underwrite every single deal before anybody else. We're the first people in that property. And that's the best thing about it. You know, I mean, literally, we just closed on a property that I was going to have you cost egg, but it got pushed into this year. So it'll be for 24. And sure. we purchased it for $82,000 real quick, as is, no closing costs. And the appraisal came at back at 160. So that's the value of being in the bottom of the barrel, getting to underwrite all the ve- the properties first. And going back to your question of, you know, is wholesaling worth it? Absolutely. I mean, it's absolutely worth, number one, it's, yeah. it helps you build cash flow, but it also helps you build your net wealth too. So then with that, when you find a property like that, are you using your own cash or do you already have a lender like, a, what is it, Kavi or, um, or a hard or an equity-based lender lined up yeah, to fund so the I, deal? I use Kiavi right now for my flips. That said, I also have a, con- right now with lending, commercial lending has gone away from my residential properties. I've had a really hard time finding a commercial lender that'll take residential single families down now. So I'm lucky enough that I haven't maxed out my Freddie Fannie Mae backed loans. And I have a lender that can close and he closed one in uh, 10 days for me conventionally too. So depending on all 1031 funds, I can use cash. I'll use hard money and I'll also go the conventional route still. All right. So I think, uh, you know, this is pretty key when you're looking at getting into the wholesaling space. It's not always just finding the buyers that are going to buy that end product. It's for you if you're going to buy the property itself. Make sure that you've got your buyers lined up. So if you want to sell it, assign it, you can get the assignment fee on the transaction, but also make sure that you've got your own financing lined up. So if you find a really good deal, that you can pull the trigger on it because like you just said, you know, you picked up a property for $82,000 that had a value of 160 on it. That's right. definitely the, you know, you're scratching that lottery ticket, but not really. This isn't lottery. It's not, you know, this isn't like, oh, I got lucky. You know, yeah. you didn't get lucky. You you worked and you did the work you put in the time and the opportunity came and presented itself and you were able to take advantage of the relationships that you had in place to close on it. And uh, it was really, again, a win-win. So that's that's a great story. Yeah, everything comes back to systems and scalability, right? So you got to do red, red light, green light with your finances. Back in the end of November, we spent 40 grand on mailers alone. You know, then you're paying for data and call lists, call systems, your CRMs and all that stuff. So to really be scalable, I mean, there's a lot of cost that goes into it. And you got to work really hard and diligently and tracking all of the information that's coming across, making sure you're not sending the same mailers out to the same people or paying for the same data that you've already used. So uh, we picked up a really great 
tech guy, and he tracks all of our analytics on our spend on that. So that's perfect. And then if somebody was looking to get into the wholesale market, you know, they're looking to get into wholesaling as a wholesaler, as a career, how do you recommend they get started wholesaling in, in today's market? Number one is go find a mentor or a coach, hands down. I have two coaches right now. I thoroughly believe in having someone that's been there, done that. And, you know, if you get to the point where they're not growing to the level of where you're at at some point and you want to move on, great, but go find a mentor right away. Yeah. And that's, that was going to be my advice as well. Just based on what you just said with the real setup costs, the monthly recurring fees, you don't want to come in this and literally blow your life savings on mailing list on call centers because they might. And the, the thing is, is the mailing list and the call centers that you use, their job is to generate leads that you can call on. What their job is not is to close the deal. And I think exactly. that that's, that's the biggest piece that, you know, having a coach, having a mentor, working on a team, it really allows you to on the job training, learn on somebody else's dime. Because if you just spent $10,000 in leads and then you blew five of them, you know, that would be a big deal. <laughs> so yeah. I, yeah. I think getting that mentor in place so that doesn't happen so that they're training you up right, you know, eight or the 10 questions to ask to make sure that that lead or that inbound call that you're taking is a real opportunity. It's someone that you can work with. So, yep. Yep. yeah. And I think what's really important too is I saw, I see this all the time on the licensed realtor side where they live paycheck to paycheck. They don't really know their cost per deal. And the huge thing in wholesaling is if you're going to spend money on these expensive avenues to find leads, you really need to lock in and figure out what your cost per deal is and, and keep that at a reasonable amount so that you don't overspend in the wrong way. Absolutely. Well, I, I think that uh, answers you know most of the questions that I had regarding wholesaling. Feel free to jump in if you have anything that you want to touch on. But absolutely, I want to make sure that if people are looking at either you know selling their house, because maybe you've got a house that you're looking at selling and you're in uh, you know the Ohio, Columbus market, Franklin market, they know how to get in touch with you. Or if you just want to learn more about, you know, some of the, the techniques that you're offering. The best way is just to shoot me an email. My email is info at realcapitaloffers.com. We have a great team here. We're, we're happy to help people in any of their scenarios. I think the one thing I would add is being from both sides. At first, I never understood wholesaling coming from the retail sign in the yard side of the business. And the reality of it is, is once you could learn how to wear two hats, it's just, it's so invaluable to have both skill sets, if you will, when you're looking at the deals that come across your desk too. Well, hey, thanks for coming on the podcast today. And I know I'll be talking to you soon. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. If you'd like to get connected with today's guest, log on to realestateexplainer.com and click the get connected button on the homepage.